0: Well, good morning, everybody, and I just want to say congratulations. We've all made four solid weeks of the shutdown. And uh, whilst we think that these times have been challenging, of course, just yesterday we stopped and we commemorated uh, those soldiers of uh, previous generation who have given their lives and so much of their lives to give us the freedoms that we have today as we remember Anzac Day. Anzac Day is a a segue for me today into the talk that I'm going to bring about the kingdom of God, because for Anzac Day, it reminds us that people were living in a season where they fought for for God, uh, for king, and for country, for these three things. These three things symbolize the values that they held, not only as individuals, but collectively as a nation. And so with these three values of God, king, and country, people went out to battle, to defend what it is that they felt was their place and their right within the world to be able to do so. And so that's why we celebrate Anzac Day, because it gives us an opportunity to remember what others have done for us. And for us, of course, the kingdom of God is very much in a similar vein. Christ has given us his kingdom, and we get to celebrate that. And the kingdom of God is given to us, uh, and it can easily be defined by three different um, criteria. Firstly, there's the reign and rule of Jesus Christ on earth. That's where he has his place as king. And we celebrate that, his place as the ruler. Uh, Secondly, the thing that defines the kingdom is the blessings that flow from living under Jesus' lordship. His leadership gives us the ability to be able to live a life that God has called us to live. And in doing so, as we align our lives with what he wants... Uh, what the Spirit leads us to do, and the presence of God himself in our lives, we see that flow of God's goodness and uh, a revelation of who he is and what he wants for our lives. And thirdly, the very presence of the church and people like us being subject to his lordship is a, a living witness, a living presence of the kingdom of God at work throughout all generations. And so for us as the church, We are living within the kingdom of God, and yet, we are also part of something that is yet to come, part of something that is yet to arrive. And so, I wanted to talk about the kingdom of God today, and in doing so, we're setting up a number of weeks where the team is going to be looking at the subject of the kingdom of God. Why did I want to do this? Well, it seems that everything is up for grabs at the moment, isn't it? People are talking about reinventing our world, reinventing our society, reinventing our workplace, And uh, it's really important to to remind ourselves that the kingdom of God is our first priority. Therefore, when we are reinventing ourselves, or in some cases for us, the rug has been ripped out from underneath us because of economic challenges or health challenges, we need to draw closer to Christ. So we can have a COVID kingdom where everything is subject to the rules now that are all about how we respond and, uh, and that in itself is, is important that we respond in a mature way to that, as a responsible way. But our overarching order this, we have a kingdom response. And a kingdom response means that we have to understand what the kingdom is all about. Well, the first mention of the kingdom in the New Testament was uh, with the arrival of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, as we know, was Jesus' cousin. Uh, He appears to have been a fiery character, somebody who was not given to the ways of the world. He was uh, happy to walk around in a camel skin coat. He was happy to eat locusts and honey for his food. And he was also happy to call people out of the world in which they lived and call them to repentance. So let's read these verses from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, and see how it is that uh, John the Baptist introduced himself. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So we find John the Baptist calling people to repentance because the kingdom of God is near. And what he's describing to us is the fact that his cousin Jesus is about to launch his ministry. And uh, here he is calling people to a place of repentance where they give up the things of this world to ensure that they are well prepared in their heart and in their mind for the coming of the kingdom. And, uh, and John has got this magic way about him where he's, he's preparing people by softening their hearts and he's reminding them that somebody's going to come who's going to completely alter the spiritual landscape in which they live. And he uses a physical illustration by saying the, the hills will be lowered and the valleys will be raised. And this will give straight paths for God to be able to bring Jesus into the picture for us to understand what the kingdom of God is all about. Now, for us as as, uh, as Christians, we have an understanding that repentance is not just... a um, A punishment is not a telling off, but it's a a way in which God calls us out of the world. And with his kindness, he celebrates an opportunity with us to be able to say, listen, the life that you've had doesn't have to be the life you'll always live. And this is God's kindness. It's a gift that is given to us because unlike Adam and Eve, when they were cast out of the garden, they were told, this is your lot. This is where you end up. For us, if we've been living a life that is contrary to the way of God, a sinful life as the Bible describes it, then we have been called to repentance and we've been given a whole new opportunity, a gift, a gift of a whole new beginning, a gift of a whole new life. And the uh, the Bible is full of illustrations that describe this to us as we come to a place where we move into the kingdom of God through repentance. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah use an illustration from the potter's house. And we know what that image looks like as we see a potter uh, shaping a piece of clay and, uh, and and turning it into something that is of value. We ourselves, as we know, we are literally vessels of clay. We are made of, of, of minerals and different things that come from the earth. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We will ultimately return to that place. But uh, for now, we are living in a place where the Spirit of God lives within us and we are shaped. Hear what Jeremiah had to say to the people of Israel as he reminded them of this right that God has to shape us under his loving hand. Let me read to you from uh, Jeremiah chapter 18. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Amen. So, God is saying to the people of Israel, Look, you are my pot. I'm shaping you. Don't I have the right to change you? Don't I have the right, in some cases, when we know a lump of clay is getting all bent out of shape, they literally just fold it in and start again. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to be prepared to accept that this is the way God will work in our lives. If there are things that are contrary to the kingdom, He's going to keep massaging our lives in such a way that brings us to repentance, which is God's kindness to bring us in, to usher us in to the kingdom of God. And so therefore, we become kingdom citizens. And that point of entry, as John described to us at the River Jordan, is by way of baptism. So we repent and we are baptized and we come into the kingdom of God. And this is our dwelling place. This is our home. But The thing about being in the kingdom is that this work of repentance and this work of change, this work of being under the potter's hand, continues. Jesus himself reminded us that we are a living branch. We are a part of a vine. So let me read to you from John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Amen. Once again, this image of pruning is a helpful illustration because it gives us an understanding that God is working in our lives. And we all know what pruning is about. You prune back the vine, literally quite hard, to be able to bear better fruit, good fruit in the coming season. And so for us as people of the kingdom, people who are citizens of the kingdom of God, we've been given responsibility to subject ourselves to being pruned by God through the washing of the word, the leading of the spirit, and the challenge that may come into our lives as we realize that we need to change to be able to serve God better. So for us as Christians, we now have a choice and the choice is always at our disposal as to what it is that we do and how we become kingdom citizens. Over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at um, what the kingdom of God is like. And once you understand the landscape of the kingdom of God, you realize that it's your responsibility before God to change, to adjust to the landscape Of what God's kingdom is all about. When we look at Scripture, it can be easy for us to be confused about what the Bible is describing as the kingdom of God to be. You see, there are two different terms that are used within the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke, where they refer to the kingdom of God. What you'll find is that in Luke's Gospel and Mark's Gospel, uh, they refer to the kingdom of God. And the reason behind that is Luke was targeting a Greek audience. And so it was easy for him to talk about the kingdom of God, something big, something generic. In the same way, uh, Mark was writing his his gospel to the Romans. And for the Romans to understand the kingdom of God, that was a very easy thing for them to get their head around. However, when Matthew writes his gospel, he's writing to a Jewish audience. And the thing about uh, the protocols within writing at the time is that you never wrote down the name God, otherwise it would be offensive to those who were reading or listening. And so, what would happen is when Matthew was writing the gospel, he changed the word God for the word heaven. So Matthew is referring to the kingdom of heaven. Now, both—sorry, oh, I say—all of those gospel writers are referring to the same principle, the same thing: the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the place where God dwells, the place where there is the lordship of Christ, the reign and rule of Jesus. And so don't get confused by these sayings because um, it's it's easy to think that they're talking about something completely different. It's easy to think that they're talking about one that's talking about here on earth and the other is talking about, about heaven to come. They're all about the kingdom of God and we'll stick to that term for now. But the question, the question is where is The kingdom of God. Where does it reside? Um, Can we go and visit it? Is it somewhere down a certain street? Does it live in a certain town? Is it in a certain country? Well, um, we know that it's bigger than than the earth that we inhabit, but we've got to understand it from the perspective that Jesus is trying to describe it to us. You see, the tension that we live in is that we are earth-bound. We're bound to live in this body, but the kingdom as described by God is bigger than just this earth alone. And uh, we begin an eternal journey as we enter into the kingdom of God. And so therefore, our destination is larger than just our present environment. And so we're looking forward to A a spiritual kingdom, a heavenly kingdom, ultimately a restoration of the earth that we live on. That's when the new heavens and the new earth will come. And so um, it's a little bit like when you go on a plane journey. You get onto a plane and you're going to another nation. You've got your passport with you that defines you as somebody uh, as a citizen of where you got on that plane. But during that plane journey, you're often given a form to fill out, aren't you? Uh, which describes your your destination and what the rules are for when you land in that place. Uh, What you're allowed to bring, what you're not allowed to bring. And so when you're on that plane journey, you're in transition. And so you're sort of there, but not there. And theologians refer to this as the yet, but not yet. Uh, It's a little bit like you're there, but you're not quite there. And so when Jesus is describing to us what is the kingdom of God like, uh, he uses terms that start to describe things in ways that uh, give us powerful illustrations, but they remind us that that is also yet to come. But let's go back and just remind ourselves of what uh, Matthew's gospel said when John the Baptist introduced the kingdom to us. So let me just read that to you again. Matthew 3, 1-3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. What John is saying to us is that the kingdom of God has come near. His reference there is to the person of Jesus. And so in the first instance, the kingdom of God was wherever Jesus was. The kingdom of God was to become wherever people were who had accepted him as Lord and Savior. So basically, in the early stages of uh, the kingdom of God being established here in a New Testament sense, it was around the persons of Jesus and then ultimately his disciples and followers. And so the person and the presence of Jesus is where the kingdom of God was being established first of all. However, um, this is reinforced in a way that uh, upset people. Because Jesus, as we know, got offside with the religious leaders and authorities of the day. So if we now have a look at Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 21, we'll find a similar but challenging um, example of what Jesus is describing here. Once i being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Amen. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, who asked, when is the kingdom coming? He said, well, the kingdom is within your midst. It's already here. It's powerful and it's present. What he was doing was he was referring to himself. He was saying, I am here. This is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like. His his miracles, his wisdom, his love his compassion, his seeking of those who were far from God, his seeking of those who'd been rejected by society. And so therefore, he was, by his own presence, building and establishing the kingdom of God as he walked, as he went. And he was uh, an agent for God, being God, representing the kingdom. So it was maybe confusing for the Pharisees, but it was something they didn't want to see. And therefore, Jesus, in challenging them about this, became ultimately the victim of their their anger and their frustration because they didn't want this kingdom that was being established by Jesus because they knew that it was the surrendering of their own power and their own authority. And so it comes back full circle, doesn't it, to what it is that we have to work our our way through. Just as John the Baptist said, repent and be baptised, the Pharisees were told the kingdom of God is amongst them and they too must submit to this, uh, this new way, this lordship of Christ. And every one of us has to contend with this because every one of us has things in our lives that will separate us from God because we are putting these things as priorities in our lives. And um, quite simply put, um, you can't be part of a kingdom If something else is king, you can't be part of a kingdom if something else is king. And so a call to repentance and a call to look at what the kingdom of God is like means that we have to take all of our identity and submit it to the will of God and say, God, well, this is is who I am. This is what I'm about. But I want you to be Lord over all of this. You see, for us as Christians and people who want to become Christians, We're called to represent the kingdom of God here on earth. And being the church is part of that. Church isn't perfect because Christians aren't perfect. But we uh, build into our lives through the washing of the word, the the work of the spirit, through prayer and understanding the person of Jesus. We work into our lives the values of the kingdom. So we're part of something that is the expression of the goodness of God. You see, the people of God wanted to be able to represent whom God was to the nations around them. And I want to read to you a very simple verse that comes from Psalm 34 8 that reminds us of what this expression looks like. Let me read it to you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. In Jewish times, the Torah, the law, uh, was deemed to be as sweet as honey. So for people to say, taste the Lord, he is good. Taste the Lord was to taste God's goodness, taste his holy law. And uh, during some of the traditions of worship within the Jewish community, after the reading of the law, people would take a slice of apple and they would dip it into honey. And they would take this and they would eat it. And it was a symbol to them that, of the sweetness of the law of God, a sweetness that comes from God. And so, you know what it's like when you you bake a cake? Here we've got a a great young cake maker in front of you, happens to be our grandson, Jimmy, who's here in our bubble. And um, Jimmy is helping mum bake a cake. But as you can see, he's getting to see that the ingredients are good. He's tasting and experiencing the things of the Lord. The provision of God. And for us within a Christian community, our responsibility is to share the love of God, share the kingdom of God with all those around us. You see, people ask, why is the church generous? Why does the church give things away? Why does the church give when others won't? Why are we quite literally the backstop for all the government agencies, when they have run out, have been exhausted, they will say, go to the church, they may be able to help you. Why do we do that? Because we want people to experience the mercy of God. We want people to understand the kingdom of God. And in many cases, they literally get to taste food that's been provided by us. They get to experience compassion. They get to experience love. They get to experience time in our presence as we Take time to talk with them. What they're doing is they're tasting and seeing that God is good. And so for us, um, we, 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 we are left in a scenario where we're trying to describe what the kingdom is all about. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at verses 13 times. 13 times, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like. And he starts to explain Something to us the kingdom of God is like and because it's something that's not fully here just yet um, It's it's difficult for us to say it's solid and it's tangible and the, When you're trying to explain something in a way and we say it is alike, like it's quite challenging isn't it? And I'll just give you a, an example of this uh, it's um, It's Fejoa season now within the Bay of Plenty and we've got Fijoa trees on our property now, the thing about a Fiji is that um, most people most people like them. Not everybody, but you try to describe somebody to somebody what a Fiji tastes like, and you're going to run out of uh, run out of words because you're going to say, "Well, it's it's sweet, but it's not sweet. It's sort of tart. Uh, it's got a bitter taste. Um, it's not smooth, but it is smooth and it." Tastes a little bit like sandpaper on your tongue as well, um, and you know you're running out of words because it's very hard to describe something that is um, that words don't allow us to do. I was um, talking to my daughter the other day, Melissa, and I asked her, Melissa, what was it like to float in the Dead Sea? Now, the Dead Sea is um, the lowest place on Earth, and the, the, the sea itself has got a huge content of salt in it. And so the first thing she tells me, of course, is that it's salty. But I said, try to describe to me what it's like to float when half of your body is sticking out of the water. And she goes, oh, man, it's just, it's just unreal. It's, it's really hard to describe that feeling because we're so used to having our bodies at a certain level when we're in the water, and here you are lying half above the water. You could read a book quite comfortably, Uh, And so unless you've experienced that sort of thing, it's very hard to describe. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to look at what the kingdom of God is like. Now, here's a picture of the cake. And we know that the cake represents today for us a picture of the fulfillment of God. When everything has come together, all the little parts of the kingdom that we've tasted have been culminated together in the kingdom of heaven, in the fullness of its experience when this world is is totally wrapped up and history is completed. That is yet to come. And we get to taste that. And it'll taste completely different to the experience that we've had here on earth. But for us now, we get to experience the goodness of God. And we also have the privilege of allowing other people to experience it as well. So going forward in this season, going forward in this COVID-19 season of shutdown, As we're being challenged to give up, to do something different, to try something new, let's remind ourselves that we are firstly people of the kingdom of God. Yes, we are subject to our our rulers, as Romans 13 tells us. The the, the, uh, government is going to continue to set down parameters for us. But let's remind ourselves that we are kingdom people first. Love, generosity, kindness, prayer, the work of the Spirit. All those things that we love about being part of God's people, part of his kingdom, are still really, really important to God and to us. So let's remind ourselves always that we are people who are of a different nation. We are of different citizenship. We are people of the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Father, in these challenging times, as we have come through a week where we've looked at sacrifice through those who have gone before us, uh, laying down their lives, uh, living lives in, in a very, very challenging time uh, so that we can live in a time of peace. Uh, we're so tremendously grateful, but it reminds us, of course, of what Jesus has done for us as he's gone through the cross experience, laying down his life that he might pay the price for our sins being raised to new life, to overcome sin and death. This is our reality. This is our truth. This is our King who has established through his own sacrifice a kingdom of his own that we are subjects to. And we are so grateful, Lord, that we have this privilege and freedom to accept what you've given us as we come through repentance, allowing you to be Lord, not having other lords in our life, As we come through the waters of baptism, that cleansing, that washing away, that public declaration that we have chosen you. And now in your kingdom, God, that kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, we have been given the privilege of citizenship and the ability to be able to submit ourselves to your will, to be used to express the kingdom to other people, that others may see in our lives what it is that you are all about because we carry your values And we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And people get to taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I pray your blessing on all of us in this this week ahead. And may we be reminded that we are your people first and your people always. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.